Hey there, coaches. Brian Blackburn here with the Pound the Rock podcast. As always, we want to thank our sponsors through HardwoodTexas.com, Huddle, Waterboy Graphics, Scholastic Steel, uh, Diamond J Metalworks, Tumbleweed Textiles, Jeremy Thomas Allstate Agency, as well as uh, Landon Landry and Modern Woodman today. Our guest is Coach Sherika Nelson from Flower Mound High School. She's the head girls basketball coach as well as the girls coordinator at Flower Mound. This is her 19th year total at Flower Mound High School as well as 12th year as head coach. She's led the uh, Lady Jaguars to six by-district championships, one district championship, and a regional championship and state tournament appearance, the first and only uh, at uh, Flower Mound. Her, uh, I guess, most prominent player, Lauren Cox, graduated in 2016. Uh, Coach Nelson coached her through all four years of high school. Uh, Some of Lauren's accomplishments include being named two-time Gatorade Texas Player of the Year, as well as a McDonald's All-American. And I know that was all coaching, right, Coach Nelson? (laughs) Absolutely. That's that's right. When we have players that can dunk or shoot threes from 30 feet, it's all coaching. (laughs) Yeah, she she definitely helps my record for sure. (laughs) Well, Coach Nelson, thank you so much for joining us today, and I'm excited to get to get to know you a little bit better and for you to share with the coaches on our website. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Now, uh, as, as we talk about uh, the preseason and, and this time of year, what, what is something maybe that you learned this summer or something that you studied this summer that's going to help your program this year? Um, two things that I usually focus on. Um, one is just how to reach this generation a little bit better, how to get into the kids' um, mental motivation more, how do we mo- motivate them in a social media world, um, how to connect with them more. So that's one of the things um, I'm very big on reading books and, and growing in that area and trying how to um, just get more of our kids on a daily basis. And, you know, this um, What Drives Winning um, by Brett Ledbetter is mm-hmm. one of my big resources that I use. Um, I think he does great. Um, I mean, you've probably seen his YouTube videos out there. His, yeah. I have all of his books. And he just does a great job of really getting to the heart of the kids and how to make them not only better people but better players. Yeah, that's, it's pretty. He does a great job. I love that stuff. And, you know, I think with girls especially, you have to get to a self-confidence point with them, and then they really start to shine once they have self-confidence and understand um, what they're good at and how to relish in that area. Um, I think that's very key to getting girls to play at the best of their ability. That's great. Now, um, let's go into a little bit more detail about that because, you know, you say it's girls, but... You know, I've had two extremes on the boys' side. Uh, I have guys with way too much confidence, seems like, and then some guys who don't have any confidence. So maybe what does your coaching staff do to maybe help the self-confidence in in your players? Well, we do a lot of, um, I guess, motivation pieces. Mm -hmm. Today, just along with my freshman class, we did a a short video off Twitter I found by Inky Johnson about perspective and how to um, change our point of view on things. Um, how We're not all going to play basketball for the rest of our lives, but our perspective, the game of basketball can give us multiple opportunities for the rest of our life. And um, I think just focusing on that with girls and getting them to be self-aware of, of, that they are strong women, that it, not on the basketball court, but translating into the game of life. And sure. Once we get that instilled in them that they are strong, they are confident women, you see their game take off to a different level. That, um, and it's different good, with yeah. every kid, and that's why I enjoy coaching. You know, the relationship with every kid is different, and to see them grow and grow every year in that confidence piece, I think you see it on the floor by their senior year as a completely different kid. Yeah. 
Boy, that's pretty satisfying as a coach, isn't it, when they've transformed from freshmen to seniors? Yes, it is. It's, it's one of those – it makes you very, very proud and that you know you're in the right business when, you know, you cry when they leave. And yeah. you've, you've got that relationship that, that you know is going to last a lifetime, and I think that's why coaches do what we do. That's right. Yeah, it's not for the uh, six-figure salary. I know that. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, now uh, you talked about reaching this this generation. I think what you mentioned there, just watching a, a quick uh, video from Inky Johnson or anybody that's a motivational speaker, I think that's one way where we relate to our kids. You know, it's a ten-minute video, eight-minute video, and they're hearing this message, and it's not from you, but it's something quick that they can digest. Would Would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And they see it, you know, social media is huge in our world. And I think we need to change the perspective, like I talked to them about today, is social media can be for good, too. Yeah. You know, social media can bring out a lot of good things and a lot of good points and a lot of good motivation stuff. And so I'm very big on getting my kids to retweet the positives, retweet the, mm. the pieces that are going to help change this world for the better and not focus on the, all the negative on social media. I like that. I'm going to steal that quote from you if that's okay. Retweet the positive. Absolutely. <laughs> that's great. Well, you know, uh, kind of switching gears just a little bit, when, when you started your school year with your, with your team this year, what are some of the things that you're focusing on on the court? You know, the first, let's say the first six weeks of school here, what, what is your focus when, when you and your team are hitting the floor? It's pretty much discipline and communication. Um, we value the little things. Uh, we were believers that little things add up to the to the big results, and uh, communication and discipline are the two things that we focus on daily. Um, simple things is catching the ball with two hands. You know, you don't dribble loose ball; you pick it up. Um, you call somebody's name before you pass the ball. Um, you know, it's as far as you can test a shot. You don't go out there and try to block a shot at the three point line. <laughs> you don't leave your feet. Little things that you know the kids don't think are a big deal. But if you do it five or six times in the first quarter, they add up to a big deal. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we're very, very big on little things. And if they don't do it right, we stop practice. We, we do two push-ups, and then we keep going. Um, you know, but they hate, they hate those two push-ups. <laughs> and it's funny to us because we hate it because it stops the flow of practice. Yeah, you got to do two push-ups, you got to get up, you got to keep going. But to them, they do it the next time, now it's four push-ups. <laughs> so we add two push-ups every day. I mean, every time that they do the little thing wrong, um, we reset it every week. So, you know, some weeks we're doing 20 push-ups by Friday. Wow, yeah. Um, some weeks, you know, we're only doing two. But um, that's the only way that we to annoy them with those push-ups. It's been amazing results. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah. But those are the little things that we focus on um, is leadership and communication um, and just biting the bullet now of the annoying breakup of practice so we don't have to do it come October. Yeah, that's. I think that's really smart, too, to kind of ingrain it in them now. Uh, when when things are still kind of fresh, that might be a good time to do it rather than we're in the grind of district and now we're going to hammer you for the little things. If Maybe we can do it now and that would uh, stick a little bit better and uh, more be more receptive. Have you found that to be true? Yes, and... You know, district, we have different goals that we're trying to meet. You know, we shouldn't have to be focusing on the little things, as in the push-ups for not catching with two hands. We need to be focused on play sets and scouting reports. And Right. But what I found is it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. You know, the little things of that 
catching with two hands goes to the little things of I'm guarding this person, are they left or right-handed? You know, our kids have done a great job of translating little things of this time period to the little things of a scouting report, and it makes a huge, huge difference for us. Yeah. Now, I don't want to go down too much of a rabbit hole, but we don't talk about a lot about scouting reports on this podcast. Can you tell me maybe your philosophy on on scouting and, and what you give to your players? I mean, I know you have a different type of player maybe than, than someone else does uh, at Flower Mound, but what, what do you give your players? What does what a scouting report look like, and how do you maybe import that into your, into your daily practice routine? We will watch video of the team the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a big believer. I'm a John Wooden, <laughs> you know, person all the way um that we control what we can control and i'm not going to worry too much about the other team to a point um and i think <laughs> you know you got to give them some nuggets that can help them feel more at ease and more confident in what they're about to face um again on the girl side i think if you give them a tool that makes them feel better about you know more confident in what's coming i see them play more relaxed and, and more confident. Yeah. So we watch video a little bit before the game, I mean before practice, and then we'll go out and we'll focus on offensive for maybe 15, 20 minutes, and then we go on to our stuff and we don't, you know, we focus on us. Sure. Um, then the next day, if we have two days of prep, we'll focus on their defense and 15 or 20 minutes, and then we go back to us. Gotcha. Um, on game day, we'll walk over inbounds plays or special sets that they may run just so they're fresh in our mind before the game. Um, and obviously, if they have a, you know a, one or two key players that we need, that we'll go over those two players. But you know, so I would say on a weekly basis, it's probably thirty or forty minutes total. Gotcha. In those two days. Gotcha. But I just feel like if the, if they know that we've spent the time to scout and we've spent the time to look ahead, they understand that we care just as much as they do. Right. No, that's, I think that's a great point. And, you know, just talking to Matt Wright, who's one of my good friends, and Coach Littleton there, I, uh, you know, it seems like maybe uh, breaking down another team is one of your strengths as a coach. And so maybe you're, you're coaching towards one of your strengths there in regards to breaking down a player or a team. And, and then, you know, I, I would say that your players gain a lot of confidence from that. I think, I think you're right. I think over the years I've grown into that strength of, figuring out how to give us the best chance to win mm-hmm. um, and how our girls will react to that. Um, like I said, and I think relationships are a big part of that. Yeah. Um, I get to know my kids in a sense of how I know they're going to react to this piece or that piece, but breaking down the opponent is something that I I feel like I've gotten better at over the years because, you know, I study it. I sit down and I do it and I, I watch enough film and I watch um, – Body language is a big thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I watch the body language of the opponent, and I can figure out a lot um, what makes them tick or what makes them get out of their norm. Yeah. And I think that's huge for a team. You know, if you can get them flustered, frustrated, you find yourself in a game. Yeah. Yeah, what, is, uh, what does Coach Neighbor say? The team that plays most normal is going to win tonight? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, that is so true. You know, I was actually talking to our girls coach here just the other day about uh, scouting and scouting reports, and I, you know how much I enjoy that. And it's probably from uh, playing for Coach Gillespie at the at the college level. But uh, I love going to watch a game live because you can see the the body language and the the communication a little bit better. And that's one thing. Being out here in West Texas, we're like, man, if we lived in the Metroplex, it would be so easy to just go watch everybody live. But you know, 
Yeah. Kind of hard to drive four hours to see a, an opponent here, but that's a really that's a really good thought. I, I, thanks for sharing that. Um, now, I, I, we kind of mentioned it with the little things uh, aspect of your of your practice, but maybe what are some things that make you and your program uncommon? And we one of our uh, readings this year for for my team on our Wisdom Wednesdays is Uncommon Manhood by Tony Dungy, and so I kind of want to stick with that theme of being uncommon. So what makes what makes you and your program uncommon besides focusing on the little things? I think one thing we do. I'm not sure you've heard of this lead them up program that's out there yes Uh uh-huh is that adam bradley yes Mm -hmm. and we started that last year and we're continuing this year and we spent a lot of time on it in the preseason and i think what makes us uncommon is like i said before we i am very big on teammates being teammates respectful teammates you know valuing your teammate and pushing them but also you know giving them the high five and, and we count positive contacts we mm. call them um, positive reps for a minute you know and they got to get two positive reps per minute and they got a you know a high five or a verbal comment a positive verbal comment and i have my managers track that how many have they given um and so last year you know we started off really low and i don't didn't tell the kids we were tracking it mm-hmm. well after i told them we were tracking it of course you know their their body language their, their positive contacts changed of course but I saw how it became normal. You know, something that was uncommon became normal for us because it became a habit. Yes. Um, you know, so now we're to the point where I only count it if you go out of your way. So if you're going to the end of line, it's easy to give somebody a half off. But if you got to jog across to the half court, you know, and you're on the baseline, you're going out of your way to give a positive contact. To yeah. me, that's, you know, saying I value you even more because I'm going to, jog over here when I'm tired to give you a high five. So, you know, people probably think I'm crazy, but I see it in games all the time. You know, somebody just misses a free throw and they're down. Are you going to jog from half court and go give them a high five? You got this. Or are you going to catch your breath and be about yourself? Right. Um, so I think that's one thing is we spend a lot of time on leadership skills, on building leaders here. Um, and I hate not having practice time. You know, like I hate having to go in the weight room. <laughs> I want to be on the court. <laughs> you know, I – but I value getting these kids to become leaders, and I value us teaching these things that are life skills because I think in the end that's how you win big basketball games. You don't fall apart as much. They know how to come together and talk to each other. So I think that may be one uncommon thing is we spend probably more time on that than we do basketball skills in the preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think our planning, our detailed planning for my coaching staff is probably pretty uncommon. We're very detailed to the minute on the practice plan, to the to the little thing. Like you said, I come back to it, but little things on the practice plan that we plan out from minute to minute to minute, and we move in our drills. We get from drill to drill to drill. We don't have any downtime. Um, we're just very detailed and organized, and we spend a lot of time prepping on that, and I think the kids see that, and they realize how important that is. That's good. Uh, one, one picture that came to my mind when you were describing this was there's a uh, – I think it was in a Sweet 16 game – there was a guy from Villanova that fell down on the floor around midcourt, and all four of his teammates ran over there and picked him up. Mm-hmm. And obviously that was practiced. That wasn't something that just happens. And right. so, you know, it's not, a, it's not a surprise that a team like that, that's, you know, united is going to win the championship on the men's side when all, you know, all four guys that are standing up are going to help the one guy that's on the ground. So, 
I, I like that. Yeah, and I think the constants in your program are huge. The culture, your culture constants, and, you know, we have a, a culture wall that we just put up. It's like a wall wrap, and we have all of our keywords on that wall wrap. And, and we put it up at the end of last year, and it's probably one of the, my favorite things that we've done because the kids walk by that wall every day, and they see our culture words. They see what our program's about. They see what they need to be successful in this program. And, you know, like you talked about picking people. When teammates on the floor, you pick them up. Right. Um, you know, you got to point to the passer when for an assist. You know, it's a good pass. You got a point. You know, just the little things that um, make people want to play harder for you and with you. Right. Yeah. Hey, let's go. Let's go back just for a second and talk about practice planning. I'm I'm in a discussion with a few other coaches, and we're sharing Google Docs back and forth about what we believe of practices. Are you? Um, are you doing a punishment reward system or are you just saying, all right, we got four minutes for this drill, we finished the drill, and then you have eight seconds to get to the next drill? What what are what does kind of your flow look like in, in practice? I break it up into four quarters. Okay. Um, first quarter is, you know, kind of a warm-up type of thing. The um, We have goals with every drill we do. we mm. got to make it competitive. I'm a big believer you got to make it competitive in order for the practice to stay intense. Um, so... Second quarter, we get into more probably transition-type stuff, and then I break it down third and fourth quarter in season as offense-defense. Okay. Um, and then sometimes I'll have an overtime period where it's maybe conditioning for the day. Did we win the conditioning? Um, so if we don't meet goals within those quarters, we have um, obviously some type of, of consequence, whether it's running, whether it's push-ups, whether it's uh, burpees. They hate burpees. <laughs> Um, you know, we mix it up every day. Um, I'm a big believer that I shouldn't have to threaten them with running. You know, if you don't want to do this, then we got a bigger problem. No doubt. So uh, I don't always believe in punishing through the legs, though sometimes it's necessary. I'm not a big, you know, I don't do it a lot. Right. Um, but the quarters are, are pretty much, I don't like to go over five minutes in a drill. Sometimes eight minutes max just because that's the length of a quarter. Right. Um, so most of my drills are five to eight minutes. And then one thing that I really stole from Sherry Cole was the echo drill, the echo part. Right. Um, you know, the last 15 seconds of any drill that we do, you have to clap. Um, and it gets the motivation. It gets the energy to go to that next drill. Um, and so they're all clapping the last 15 seconds. We know it's the end of the drill. It kind of makes that last rep a little bit more enthusiastic and hard. Mm-hmm. And so you kind of end on a good note. Yeah, I like that. And then we get to the next drill. Um, we have some practice details that we have, and one of them is you sprint from drill to drill. That's one of our practice details. <clears throat> and so just the – and we have – through lead em up we learned the nine clap. And that means nine clap is, you know, the loudest clap that you can have without hurting your hands. But anytime we clap, it's a nine clap. <laughs> and right. so if you don't nine clap, then, yeah, we have a consequence to that. You know. Um, right. And that – we just started that this year Honestly, the nine class for about two weeks now, and it's made a huge difference. Cool. Huge difference. Now, uh, when you talk about all this stuff, we're talking about after-school practice with the four quarters. So mm-hmm. about how long do you say your, your after-school practice is? About- I normally, beginning of the year, when we're first starting, it's probably two hours. Right. Right. When I get close to December district time, we're probably going an hour and a half, maybe an hour 40. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, Saturday practices are about an hour 15, hour 20. Okay. Now, uh, during your class period, and if I remember correctly, LISD, we had uh, 
like a study hall and a and a practice time. Is that the same way at Flower Mound? Yes. Okay, so are you doing like your shooting work and individual stuff during the period? Or we're fourth period, so we go fourth period and then we're after school. Okay. So okay. We start at two thirty. We do our study hall from two to two thirty. And then two thirty to three thirty is the normal class hour. Okay. So we really start practice at two thirty and go till four thirty. I, I got gotcha. you. We continue into after school. Okay. Okay. So are, there, there's not a uh, there's not a separate part of your practice for just shooting or skill work that's built into your quarters. Yes. Okay. Now, right now, before official practice starts, we will build in shooting segments. You know, like right now, I only have an hour with them. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll do skill work. Um, we go to the weight room Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday. We pretty much do skill work and breakdown sections of our offense or defense. And then on Friday, it's pretty much a competitive. We're going five on five or four on four, whatever we want to work on. So right, um, right now, I'd say Tuesday, Thursdays are more shooting sections or skill work. And then on Friday, it's more competitive stuff. I love it. Good deal. Well. You have marked off every every uh, box that I had for questions. That was great. No, that was really good, and it, it's going to help me focus on the little things a little bit more now. Uh, you know, over the next over the next couple weeks before we start after school. Um, you know, we have a lot of young coaches on this website, and uh, any advice for young coaches that maybe you learned from your mistakes or you did well that you feel like you can share with some of the coaches on the on the website. I think the two main things that come up probably when I was young, I thought it was all about winning. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I obviously we got to win to keep our jobs, let's be honest. But <laughs> at the same time, um, winning is about relationships with kids. And, you know, through these 19 years here, I've been blessed with a lot of talent and a lot of relationships. And I think once I learned to enjoy my job as in enjoy the kids and the relationship, winning took care of itself a lot easier um so i think that's one thing that i really wish i would have learned earlier was to enjoy what i was doing versus being stressed about it um because those first few years i was so stressed about the wins and the losses that i really don't remember the relationships as much right and you know over the past six or seven years i've shifted my focus to enjoyment and enjoying the kids and and their smiles and their hard work and getting to know them and the winning has taken care of itself and um so that's one thing i would you know want young coaches to know is work your tail off and work as hard as you can to build your program but at the same time enjoy what you do yeah um and the second thing is i'm a my big motto is ctc control the controllables and um getting your kids to buy into that and establishing your culture that is the first thing you got to do as a coach is you got to get your culture and you got to establish it and you have got to make those kids live up to that, those standards. You know, you can't let one kid be bigger than your culture. Right. And um, so CTC is our big, huge motto. Um, what can you, what's in your control and what's not? If it's not in your control, you got to let it go. Yeah. And getting as coaches, we have to, you know, follow that motto as well. And I think it's harder for us as coaches to do it sometimes than it is our kids. Um, so I think those two things, just enjoying your job, enjoying the time that you have with these kids because you're, you're changing kids' lives whether you realize it or not. And two, establish that culture, control what you can control, and let the rest just, you know, be what it is.
Coaches, thank you again for tuning in to the Pound the Rock podcast. Tune in next time for more great content regarding planning, developing, and coaching the game that we love. As always, I would like to thank our sponsors and HardwoodTexas.com, allowing us to get our basketball fixed 24-7, 365. Thank you again for listening, and make today a great day.